Beyond. Beyond. Welcome, friends, to Podcast Beyond, episode 163. My name is Ryan Clements. I am an editor at IGN.com, and I am joined by the handsome, the talented, the dashing, the charming, the completely indomitable. Wow. (laughs) Colin Moriarty. Jeez, thank you. Appreciate how are you, that. sir? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, I'm very good. Thank you. I've been excited about this podcast. This is our, well, let me, let me see. The, it's the official name <laughs> is Podcast Beyond, colon, The Fireside Chats 2. Two, right. Number two. Roman numeral two. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And uh, what we do on this podcast, normally we would have uh, the one and only Greg Miller leading us on a journey that could possibly be described as madness. But on today's episode, just like an episode Colin and I did long ago, it will just be you and I chatting uh, in a nice, quiet podcast room. The office, it's actually very suitable because mm, mm. it's the day before Thanksgiving. The office is very quiet. There's not a lot of people around. Right. Just the devoted are here. Yes. So we're here to have a, a nice, relaxing conversation about games, life, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Astronomy. And, uh, astronomy. I mean, we could <laughs> potentially just spend the next hour talking about astronomy. But thank you for taking the time to do this, as always. Um, and thank you for joining us, listeners. Uh, let's uh, start off with, I think I could call it a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. It's called The Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news that's so relaxing. Ooh. Ooh. Colin, you have The Roper Report today, do you not? I do. All right. Uh, yeah, it's not too busy of a week. It's actually only been a six-day week for us because yeah. we record beyond on Thursdays usually. Today mm-hmm. is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Greg isn't here. He's eating turkeys in Illinois. He's probably not eating turkey yet, though, unless he preemptively ordered mm. a turkey sandwich. I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah. Honestly, the turkey's great. Uh, but yeah, there's like five <laughs> stories we should probably touch on real quick. We're gonna be quick because the fireside chat is all about the chat. Is all about the chatting and not the news. So we're gonna do this quick. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, is Gran Turismo 5: The Mystical Unicorn is out. <laughs> uh, uh, it's here. We have it. Uh, the review is up. And uh, I mean, do, are you okay with the fact that you swore to us that it would be delayed again, but it did not? No, I mean, it's fine. I'm happy that everyone, okay. you know, I, I assumed with uh, the myriad delays that, uh, you know, it would just be delayed again and again, you know, uh, not like quite like vaporware. We would eventually get it, but, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy it's out. We gave it an 8.5. Our friend Martin over in uh, the UK reviewed it uh, and it looks very pretty. Uh, did you see it? Uh, yes. I have seen it running on Geddes's desk. Mm. It's very nice, and it's interesting, though, that Martin, uh, you know, he didn't give it as high of a score as I think a lot of people expected, mm. and I'm, I'm actually very happy with that. I think that um, Martin, I'm actually a big fan of, you could say. I think he's a, a brilliant guy, he's very nice, and I think he's very fair, and I'm really happy that he gave that game, you know, what he thought was appropriate. Uh, and it's not the, you know, 10.5 that everybody expected. But Yeah, I mean, you would assume that was the problem, though, right? Was that we, you know, the, the question uh, kind of lingered on, on, is this game with its six-year development or whatever, could it possibly live up to the hype? Yes. And, uh, you know, let's not forget that 8.5 is great. Oh, absolutely. I'm not um, saying it's bad. And neither is I, Martin. <laughs> no, but I know, but I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I not being a racing fan, not having any intention of playing the game, I, I assumed it was going to get in the nines because uh, it's just it seems like a, fa- a favorite of people that like that genre. Uh, but it got an eight point five. But I'm sure you know it'll sell millions of copies and people are still going to love it. So, oh, sure. And I'm I'm happy that I was wrong because I'm happy the PlayStation faithful have something to play. That's over the over the uh, the break exactly, which o- is very nice. Other than uh, Sackboy's prehistoric moves, of course. How could we forget? Uh, <laughs> number two up uh, is that I, I wrote a quick story about infamous two details that emerged yes. uh, via the official PlayStation magazine. Uh, so you can check that out uh, on the site if you're interested. There's some interesting uh, 
information about collectibles. Blast Shards will be back, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cattle Oof. Prod weapon that we've played so much with that uh, will kind of invigorate the melee aspect. Infamous 2 is called the Amp. Uh, those mutants we saw in the trailer are called the Corrupted. So there's a lot of random information. Right. Um, it's fun for the for the fanboy and all of us. Exactly. Yes. And uh, the one thing that people seem to be the most disappointed with, which is surprising, was that I noted that uh, I think Nate Fox is the one who's the director of the game. Told him that it's going to be rated T for teen, just like Infamous and, and the first one. Some people were disappointed by that, but I was like, Infamous was still a gritty, dark game with yeah. some adult overtones. So a teen game can still have all the violence you need to be realistic and to have action. Exactly, it's just not yeah. over the top. Exactly. Um, so number three is uh, Double Fine, which is a nice little small studio. Uh, run by the one Tim Schafer here mm -hmm. in San Francisco, mm -hmm. uh, announced their new downloadable game. Uh, it's called Stacking, and it's going to be a puzzle game. comes out in quarter two, 2011. Uh, that just was notable to me, Ryan, because I played Costume Quest for the first time this week, and it is a hell of a game. Have you, have you played I, it? I'm, I'm actually, I get more and more excited because everybody keeps saying that, and mm -hmm. I haven't downloaded it yet, but I gotta. It is weird. It's just a bizarre, unique game, I, and I think you're, you especially are going to like it, and you'll see I'm, why when I'm, you play it. Okay, I'm excited. Is that because there are cute, adorable characters in it? No, because uh, I, I think you're going to like the outrageous, the battle system in the game. Okay, I'm excited. I, you'll know what I mean okay. when you see it. I can't wait. Uh... Disappointingly, Portal 2 has been delayed again. This this broke right after we recorded Beyond last week, so a lot of you probably already know. The game was supposed to come out, I think, in February. Uh, Valve now says it'll be out April 18th. So, you know, more That's time. What's what's coming out February 15th? There was a game coming out right after Valentine's Day. Is it Killzone? No. Was it, well, I mean, it might be. I've, I've, I'm, I'm terrible. That's the one problem with putting me in charge of Podcast mm. Beyond is I'm very bad at dates. Mm. So I will say that there was a game that was supposed to come out February 15th. Mm. And, uh, I mean, it could be Killzone. It could be Dead Space. Um, it was, well, that's going to just bother me now. But, and I bet all the listeners are screaming at their, at their computers and their iPods because they know the answer and they just can't communicate yeah, it to me. No, that's disappointing. That's okay. It, that's all right. Irrelevant. Let's move on. The final piece of news uh, is that Sony is going to reveal a PlayStation 3 exclusive on December 12th. Uh, now, Greg and I wrote a kind of a, a conjecture piece about what we think it can be. Clements, you didn't take part in this piece, so I'm kind of curious what you think it's I, going to be. I wasn't even invited to this piece. Oh. Really? No, no Greg never told me about it. In oh, fact, ju just as you said that, mm. uh, that's the first time I've heard of it. Really? You didn't even see it on the site? Didn't see it on the site. A lot of discussion. It has like 600 and something comments Beautiful. on it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, well, you know, because we, we talked about what can you know, I, I was saying, you know, it's probably going to be Uncharted 3. You know, that will keep it in line with all the like, previous announcements of Uncharted games and also the two-year cycle that this series seems to be on because it was out in 07, 09. So you'd think it would be 11. Right. Um, but on, on the other hand, I mean, who's to say it can't be something else? You know, yeah. I understand, for instance, Sony doesn't necessarily control Crash Bandicoot anymore, but wouldn't it be cool if Crash Bandicoot was going to be rebooted? Or uh, something I said was, wouldn't it be cool if uh, Square and Sony got together and said like Final Fantasy VII is going to be remade and it's going to be on PlayStation Oof. 3 exclusively? Uh, don't even, don't even tease me. So with that. what do you think, Clemens? The, if you were just going to say like, well, yeah, I would, I would, I would probably put my money in that Uncharted 3 idea just because that sounds very reasonable. But if if I if I could control it, if I could decide what this exclusive game would be. I would love to see something new. Mm. I want to see something new. I'm still ex I still want to get a a sweet PlayStation 3 game that we've never played before and and you know something for us to enjoy. All of us pl PlayStation nuts. So I agree. I, I did say new IP would be cool. Greg yeah. shut it down pretty quick though saying that 
you know, this is going to be uh, you know, a big event. Yeah, and, uh, yeah and it's the holiday season, and they want to like they want to boost the energy, of the PlayStation fan base up, make sure that people like have PlayStation on the mind when they go holiday shopping, buy all their PlayStation threes. Which is why so, it's going to be a Spyro the Dragon reboot. It could be a Spyro the Dragon reboot. <laughs> Wait, and this is on December twelfth. December twelfth. And like, what's this actual event? Is it televised? Is it? As uh, far as I understand, yeah, I I think. I'm not sure. I think the Spike event is the day before the VGAs or whatever, and okay. then they're doing their own Sony's own event. I think it is televised, but I'm not, gotcha. not positive about that, actually. And the uh, VGAs is where we'll see that uh, next Bioware game, right? Yep. Uh, you know, it's, we, I, we talked about this last week? Or did this I think come we, out? It came up. It came up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I assume it's going to be maybe Mass Effect 3, although mm-hmm. uh, I think Shattered Steel is a pretty open possibility for oh, that. Oh, yeah, too. that's right. I remember you talking about that. Or a Mass Effect spin-off. Very nice, Who very knows? nice. It, whatever it is, is exciting. Bioware is pretty much flawless. So, well, Wow. Look at uh, that. Well, the, the team that does Mass Effect anyway is pretty yes. much flawless. I yes. wasn't a huge fan. I, I should be fair. I wasn't a huge fan of Dragon Age. I, I saw that game and had absolutely no interest in no, it was, whatsoever. I, I don't understand. You know, I, I, don't, uh, I don't understand why people like that game either. Although I do understand why you would play it on the PC because I did see the PC interface and... Uh, it looks a lot cleaner, a lot nicer, but it didn't translate well to console. IMO. IMO. So that's uh, that's it for the the Roper Report, a well, brief Roper Report. Yes, week. thank you very much for the news. Yes. Uh, for any of your video game news needs, make sure you come to IGN.com because that's where we obviously post the majority of our information. Yes. If you're downloading this podca- podcast off iTunes, you should probably check out our site too because it's pretty awesome. Uh, we would like to move on to can I I can probably go down our normal topics yeah, yeah. right yeah for the time being uh, because I think what we should do mm. is discuss what's going to be coming out and mm. what is out this mm. week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't you think so yeah because people not. that tune in want to know what games they should buy yes. And so I think you should tell them. Okay. Well, this is the official IGN list of upcoming PlayStation software on all three platforms by the IGN editors. Nice. I like that one. That was a nice long yeah. that was a, a long Sorry, that one. <laughs> I think we lost fifty percent of uh, our listeners right. right there. Uh, Go ahead. I like to think that the Fireside Chats are for the, the true fans of Podcast Beyond, mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are four games out for PS3 this week. Uh, Gran Turismo, obviously, 5 is out. We gave it an 8.5. Uh, Majin, is that what it's called? In the, in Majin the for- and the Majin Forsaken, and Forsaken Kingdom. Kingdom. That is out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. We gave that something. We 7, gave that something. I believe. Seven. Yes. Uh, it was well. It was close to that. I know that the you know Christine was uh, Christine reviewed that, mm. and I saw it in its rough draft stages. So I, but I believe that the that the score is a seven. Okay. I'm gonna I'm going to say it is around that area. Right on. Uh, Splatterhouse, which is a reimagining, I think, of the old Genesis game. Yeah. Comes out. And Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare Collection, which I think is just the game bundled with the DLC, is out this week. Excellent. Uh, nothing on PS2. Uh, on PSP, something you, you'll probably be excited about. Michael Jackson, The Experience. Oh, man. Comes it's going to be an experience, all right. Are you reviewing that? Who's reviewing uh, that? Yeah, that's me. Um, I actually only have the Wii version of the game right now, like, you know, currently sitting at my desk. Not the PSP version. Okay. Well, that's out on PSP, and that's it, I think, for PSP. Okay. Well, what say Zombie Blog, Mac? Uh, let us take a look. Thanks to you, really, because honestly, I, I got to throw this out there for all the Beyond fans. You did most of the work for this podcast, I would say. No, it's okay. You gotta, well, I mean, gotta... I, I collected the, our topics, which mm-hmm. we will discuss in a bit, but you went through all the news. You got the zombie blog knack update. That's all right. We got to help each other out. Yeah, well, and I appreciate it. Um, so for those listeners that are uh, just joined the Podcast Beyond family, 
Uh, we like to talk about what comes out on the PlayStation Store uh, every week. And we do that through the uh, usage of the, I don't know, was this information is usually pulled just off the PlayStation blog, right? Uh, yeah, Still? well, we get, a, we get a Google document. They do, So on, on the blog, they do something called the drop, I think, on Mondays, and they'll tell you what's coming out. But then we get a document fr straight from Google that tells us, or straight, not from Google, a Google document straight from Sony <laughs> that tells us uh, specifically what's coming out, how much right, it costs, right, right. And, and the discounts and stuff like that. Excellent. So that's where we are pulling this information. It's not totally made up. But uh, this uh, week... Very exciting. Oh, man, I didn't even realize this came out on PS3 also. Pac-Man Championship Edition mm, DX. Yeah, I downloaded it last night. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a huge one. Now, this is a huge one because it received a perfect Yeah, we gave it a perfect 10, 10. Uh, from Damon Hatfield. And I would say that that is a good score. Yeah, the game is... Uh, I, so, I... Played the game yesterday. It's hard. Uh, it's 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 meaty though. Like, I was I was on this. So I didn't really understand what I was doing as far as like how what the like how much content was in the game. Right, so I right. just went to the first stage and then I did like all the time trials and all this that and the other thing. And I was like, oh, so that's the entire game, you know. And I did it in like an hour. And I was like, okay, well that was fun. And I earned like you know a bunch of trophies and stuff. And then I looked and I'm like, wait a minute. There there's a bunch of stages and they all have these time trials and all have these individuals. So I'm like, this game is actually huge. This yes. is a huge game. And it's only ten bucks. Uh, but just we, so we don't have to do it later, the, the, there is a trophy tip. That's the trophy tip for this week is, is Pac-Man's a good okay. one for trophies. Uh, the first game I played, I just played the five-minute time trial, whatever, five trophies. Played the 10-minute the tr trial after that, got three more trophies. So that thing rains trophies. But to get them all, you need to play all of the game modes and okay. all the time trials. So we'll just get that out it of the way It rains now. trophies. Rains trophies. Very It's nice. raining trophies. Download Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. Not only a fantastic game, but a rain of trophies. Mm -hmm. Uh, here's what else you can get this week. Dragon's Lair. <laughs> is that, what's the old, uh, that old, like, I think that might be animated it. game. Yeah, Isn't no, that I it? I think that is yeah. it. Yeah. Dream Chronicles. Ooh, I like that name. Mm. It's a good name. Beat Sketcher. <laughs> Man, these are some good titles this week. And here's my favorite, Spelunker HD. Yeah, which I think is, like, Spelunker is like a pretty big game in, in Japan, and I think that that is like a, either a re-release or a reimagining right. or something. That's, I think that's supposed to be the game that's like super ridiculously difficult okay yeah got it and you have it you wrote you this was your article mm -hmm. right uh you wrote if you're downloading beat sketcher be careful exclamation point it only works with the playstation move yeah i don't want someone to get burned you know what i mean I, I, and, I, and although I, I, think it, I think it does warn you though so. yes excellent uh here's demos we also for the same games dream chronicles pac-man championship edition dx and magic the gathering duels of the planeswalkers mm. now i actually used to be a big magic fan back yeah. in the day yeah. and i really appreciate magic the gathering i mean it's a fantastically complex card game it is but dear lord do they have some fantastic titles and I, you can always recognize when a fantasy writer has come up with a name for something because it's extra nerdy. Duels of the Plane Walkers. That, or Planes Walkers. Planes Walker. Yeah, planes it's like walkers. a lot of plurals. <laughs> uh, okay, we have a lot of DLC this week. Oh, this is exciting. Mafia 2, Naughty Bear, Joe Danger, 3D Ultra Mini Golf Adventures 2, <laughs> Enslaved Odyssey to the West. I've been, st I started that game. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Splatterhouse, Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light, Front Mission Evolved, Hawks 2, Mod Nation Racers, and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Oh, and there's even more, but... It mainly it's just the usual Rock Band 3, Guitar Hero. There's there's DLC for Magic the Gathering. And Power Gig, I and think. Has oh, and DLC. Power Gig. Rise of the Sixth String. Very nice. PS1 Classics. 
Ark the Lad 2. Yeah. Now, Ark the Lad is a old JRPG, correct? Yes. And uh, I think fondly remembered. Oh, although yeah, definitely. I, I don't actually remember playing it. Definitely. Although, the uh, I never played Ark the Lad 2, and I was talking to Nyx yesterday. Uh, and as you see, there's DLC, basically, for Ark the Lad 2, which was, I think... Uh, some sort of PlayStation 1 game that might have only been released in Japan or maybe here as well that allowed you to take your save over and, and then Ooh. play your friends and stuff like that. So I think they've released that whole package uh, very nice. uh, for people to play, which is nice. This is great, man. Can you? Uh, just It's amazing how many options video game players have nowadays. It's awesome. Do you remember when you, you felt like you had like you, you had your Nintendo and you had a bunch of Nintendo games, but it's like you kind of knew, you know, you yeah. knew what was going on. Now, no, you can never keep yeah, that. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, PSP store. The PSP pit stop. That's fantastic. I didn't make that. I, I, yeah. Greg, Greg oh, made that, that was one it, Greg? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's great. God bless. Good job, Greg. Um, new titles for the PSP are a little scarce, says Colin, but we have Worms Battle Islands, which can be purchased for twenty four ninety nine. It's a, you know. That's a that's a hefty price for a yeah. PSP game. Also, Bomberman is available for the random price of eleven ninety nine. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Eleven ninety nine. Oh my God! You know, leave it to the PlayStation Minis to have entertaining titles. Mm. Jelly Car Two. Jelly Car Two. <laughs> I think I, someone I, someone in the in the comments on the story was sent, like excited about Jelly Car. So I, I think it was like an iPhone game or something. Oh, okay. So cool. I think that, but I think it costs like a dollar on the iPhone and it costs like four dollars or something or three dollars on on a. Uh, PlayStation stores. Very nice. And reason number 457 as to why I love Colin Moriarty. On the uh, side of my story, it says myriad discounts because <laughs> there are a lot of discounts. Yeah, you don't, don't have to read all yeah, those. There, there, there are, I think, 40 games that are or almost 40 games that have discounts. Un- unbelievable. So definitely. There's some good ones in there. Definitely hit up the PlayStation Network this week if you haven't for myriad discounts. Definitely. I think Metal uh, Gear Solid, Peace Walkers, like Peace Walkers, off. yeah, in there. Fat Princess is in there. Ooh, Dissidia is in there. Mm-hmm. Well, is Dissidia just a... Uh, do you, do you know what the price drop was on no, that? No, no, no. Interesting. I think it might be half off, though, because I think, I think Metal Gear was half off. So I, that might be all the PSP games. All right. Unbelievable. A uh, lot of stuff to save money on. Yeah, most of the mini, most of the games are, are minis that were overpriced to begin with. Okay, so. good. So they're basically just righting the wrongs of the past. Yeah, trying. I think I think all the minis should really be a dollar if you want to push them. But. Ah, well, that <clears> is <throat> excellent. I think that uh, that concludes our PSN update for, uh, yeah, for this week. I don't right? see why not. do 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 and the pick of the week? Um, I guess it has to. Well, actually, I was gonna say it has to be Gran Turismo, but Pac-Man's Ooh, pretty damn oh, good. This, then, oh, this is here's yeah. where the chats really start. Yeah, I mean, with without uh, an advocate for racing games here with us today, it's gonna be hard. It's it's true. Um, I mean, in in a situation like this, I I feel like it has to go to Pac-Man, if only because you know the the anticip- It wasn't that obnoxious amount of anticipation. Uh, and it's, it's, it's clearly, it's, it has it, it doesn't only have the fantastic gameplay, but it also has the great package, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, whereas I, I was actually, I was, I only had a chance to skim through Martin's review of Gran Turismo this morning cause we were trying to put the podcast together, but it seemed like it, it sounded like he was really impressed with the simulation aspects of the gameplay. Like he, I believe in his closing comments, he said, it's like a 10 out of 10, sim, 10 out of 10 simulator wrapped up in a five out of 10 game. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean it's rough, and and it's and it's unfortunate, and it's really interesting to see a game that they they pay that much attention to the gameplay that they kind of forget, you know, to like polish the outside of it, right, right. Which is according to Martin, what happened? Yeah, I mean I think uh, I mean I remember even watching a couple people play the game last week or earlier this week, and just kind of remarking that the 
the interface is a little clumsy, which I think is what Martin talks about, and the load times seem really extraordinary, which is strange because I think the game has like a several gig install, so that's a little, a little disappointing. Yeah, it really um, is. And I think Hillary was tweeting today that uh, that he thinks Forza is better, and, and the game does a lot of things better. So yeah, that's surprising. I mean, that's a I mean. Um, what I'm really interested in uh, is to see how the racing fans in the office take to the game, especially Mark Ryan, because yes. um, he's been waiting for it. Uh, without the the beloved Chris Roper in the office, uh, mm-hmm. we don't uh, have a huge racing fan on on editorial that review games. I don't think anymore, except for Geddes. Geddes is um, a big one, but yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they. I haven't talked to either of them about the game, uh, and I want to see how they take to it too. Um, again, it seems like a great game. An 8.5 is a great score, uh, but again, like I think it did. F- fall into the trap of not being able to live up to the hype that is created inherently when you make a game for that long and yes. then delay it that many times because yes. the game was supposed to come out in like 08 so yeah well <sighs> i think yeah i mean i'm gonna i think we'll have to go with pac-man on this one yeah. but with with certainly with an honorable mention to gran turismo Definitely. i mean that's going to be on everybody's minds that's going to be i'd i'd say probably the most purchased like you know ps release that we'll have this holiday season right right uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's our pick of the week for this week. Now the next uh, topic is Greg takes his shirt off, but uh, Greg is not here to take his shirt off. Nope. So that's a shame. And we've already gone through the trophy tips. Remember to download Pac-Man. Enjoy it. Amazing game. Rains trophies. Yeah, range absolutely rains. Um, which brings us to topic of the week. Yes. And here is where the fireside chats reaches its true maturity. Uh, it's apex. Are, it's apex. We are gonna just chat. We're going to chat about some uh, topics and some questions that readers uh, wrote into. And if you want to join the Podcast Beyond family, if you want to partake in this discussion, please, please, I encourage you to send a message to beyond at IGN.com. Mm-hmm. That's just beyond at IGN.com. And uh, we will look through your questions. And as Greg often mentions, please, please make them short. Uh, it's very difficult to get through a lot of questions if they are giant novels, which is surprisingly still what we get most of the time. Yeah, we um, appreciate the effort. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's great. It's great user engagement. But uh, honestly, we, we just don't have the time to read massive emails. Exactly. Uh, and here's something, Colin, that mm. I was just thinking about. Let's start the chat off with this. It's amazing to me that what you and I are saying right now and what people are listening to out there is being heard all across the world simultaneously yes you know i mean it's it's really interesting when you think about like some people are driving some people are sitting at, at an office somewhere mm-hmm. in wisconsin you know listening yeah, yeah, yeah. i really hope we have some listeners in wisconsin yeah, if you're if you're sitting in an office listening to this in, in wisconsin please email us and let us know there yes what i like to think about is just a person sitting in like a, a fire lit living room with and the room doesn't even have a television <laughs> or anything in it and they're just sitting on a couch staring straight ahead listening to the podcast <laughs> On their Bose radio. Brilliant. Uh, see, actually, I was thinking about, I really wanted to go um, to the liquor store across from the uh, office and get, like, a bottle of champagne mm. and bring in some glasses for us. But I And I almost did. But I was worried that you wouldn't drink champagne and it would be a waste of money. No, I drink champagne. But okay. I think we can even, when we do Fire tra- Side Chats 3 in the future, mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll bring in, we'll bring in like, something real classy. We'll, we'll smoke cigars and we'll... And we'll, mm. uh, and we'll I don't know if we <laughs> can smoke cigars <laughs> yes. in the podcast room. <laughs> and <laughs> our like, CEO walks by. It's just a cloud of smoke in the glass doors. Drink, yeah. drink bourbon. Um, oh, you know what? I was actually, I was thinking about like a fine like scotch or something. Mm. The problem is, is that I, I can't really... I'm, I have a real hard time drinking that stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, we could just relegate it to a glass, an iced glass, and and just sip it slowly and and leisurely. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. I would do that. I would I would drink scotch on Fireside Chest Three. Mm, okay. Do you so we'll like? Do is that is that uh, your your choice there? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's the classiest drink I can think right. of right now. That would Sounds suit good. suit the situation. But so, anyway, so let's get into it. Yeah. yeah. It is nice to have uh, um, international beyond audience that's listening to us. Yeah, it's and we awesome. appreciate it. And I'm glad that you guys enjoy the show. Thank you for all the kind compliments on Twitter and Facebook and all those things. And like I said, I do my best to reach out to everyone that messages me. So You're definitely uh, good. So if I haven't for some reason, it's either because you've irritated me or uh, because <laughs> I've just forgotten. So I apologize. There you go. <clears throat> uh, so let us begin Fireside Chats 2. This comes from Amadu. I want to say that I'm close with that but uh amadu writes ryan and colin so happy to hear you're doing another fireside beyond that's fireside chats mm. but fireside beyond is good also do you think graphics play a role in gameplay or do games this gen just offer updated new mechanics with a graphical coat of paint possible jump off points mm. i love how he's giving us jump or she is giving us jump off points la noir and facial recognition tech HD remakes and potential value add-ons and 3D move games and spatial gameplay. Yeah. yeah. So this is an interesting topic. Uh, do you do you want to start us off with any thoughts? Well, I think what strikes me immediately is an inherently graphics shouldn't affect gameplay. Right. Um, but I think that he has a point in that it's getting to a point where I guess it's going to start affecting gameplay as we, again, like he says, like... Uh, Appreciate the spatial nature of the place in which you're playing the game, for instance, with connect or move. And uh, I guess there's something to be said about gameplay with games like Mass Effect, for instance, that look really nice, that are also immersive experiences that you tend to be more immersed, and therefore the gameplay might be heightened if a game looks good. But, I mean, that's that's as far as I take it. Yeah, for what you, sure. What do you think? Um, I'm going to have to say that by its nature, visuals will never will never over, uh, supplant or like you know completely take over what gameplay is supposed to be because gameplay by its nature right by mm. its absolute fundamental nature is interaction and so if the i suppose on an absolute base level you can interact with something by viewing it but i think ultimately the point is to have a sort of um Oh, what's the word it's slipping out of my head you you are basically acting on it like uh you're acting on it. It, it visually. If you're just watching something, you're a passive. Uh, that's what I meant to say. You're you're passive. But what the the point of an actual gameplay is to actually have uh, physical interaction with something. Right. Whether it's with your body, if it's with you know just your you know using a controller, even you know waving something around with a move, you know. Uh, so that will always be the most important thing in, in a video game. Otherwise, you just have a uh, a movie. I agree. But. In terms of, you know, if whether it's a graphical coat of paint, I mean, yeah, basically I think that so far all we've seen are the visuals help complement the experience as a whole and not necessarily dictate the gameplay. But I think we'll definitely see, like you said, with uh, with motion controls and with uh, 3D. I wonder if 3D will ever actually have that much of an impact. I don't know. I don't think gameplay. it will until... How would you do that? I mean... Yeah, I mean... it. I mean, like, at what point is something like 3D, and then at what, at what point is it basically real? You know, I mean, not not real is intangible, but real is in it's basically in the room with you. Yes, you know, like exactly. wh whether it like uh, you know uh, uh, projects something in your room or something, or like we said, like you know somehow takes into account the, your room and then shows it to you in like a mirror image of like, but it's like it's graphically enhanced or right. or whatever. I just you know I kind of wonder 
you know, I guess this kind of goes back to the argument we've had about motion gaming in general or 3D gaming in general, that certain fundamentals of the gaming just haven't changed. And um, you can even say that, you can even go so far as to say gameplay hasn't really changed because everything that you play today, with rare exception, I, I would look at games like Flower, for instance, as an exception, um, are basically just add-ons and spins on gameplay that is actually old. When you think about platforming, I mean, Pitfall and Super Mario Brothers and all those games are old platformers, you know, and that really hasn't changed. You know, even when you play new Super Mario Brothers uh, on Wii, which came out last year or whatever, it's basically just Super Mario Brothers, you know, yeah. from 1985. It's, tw- right. you know, 25 years later or whatever. So, um, <laughs> it's amazing yeah, past I mean, how much time has gone by. So, like, it, the core fundamentals of gameplay haven't really changed as the as the industry has evolved technically. And uh, I think what we're seeing is just kind of spinoffs on things that have already been done, which is fine, because I think there are only certain ways that a game can really be effectively played and that people want to effectively play games, which is why I think that, you know, software and Wii, for instance, doesn't sell very well anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's yeah. just my take, and I could be totally wrong, you know. I guess I'm a little conservative in that sense with gaming and in, in that I, I don't want too much change. I want I want the uh, focus to be on storytelling. I mean, I, that's what's really important to me right now is I want it. Storytelling. Yeah, when you have a game like Mass Effect 2 or, or Fallout New Vegas or something like that, what really keeps you coming back isn't the gameplay because I don't think the gameplay in either game, especially Fallout, is stellar. I think what makes you come back is the ambience and the environment and the story and the narrative and uh, the branching plots and, and things of that nature. And so I think the more they can do with that, in my opinion, will we'll keep keep me enamored with games for a very long time especially as you're spending more and more time and you want to have a return in investment on your time right so, you know. so this is interesting though because you say that story is one of the most important things to you in a game uh so i'm surprised that you don't like you haven't you don't have as strong of a passion for film or something like that mm-hmm. you know because that is that is uh fundamentally just story oh definitely you know definitely so, I, mean, I mean would you say that you're also like you have like an equal passion for film or do you just like having that sort of active experience with controlling a game yeah i i, I like films i mean i don't you know, it's like it's you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. So when I think about like <laughs> when I think about like how I want to sit down and go, you know, people that are on my PSN list often see me on Netflix, no doubt. And I'm not usually watching movies. I'm usually watching documentaries. And like right, it's right. Like when you when you watch uh, or when you have like you know three hours a day or like 10 hours a week or something, in which you want to watch a film or like any kind of you know television program or whatever, uh, you have to kind of decide what you want to watch. Um, so I'm not super in the films because I'm kind of jaded on them, not because they've necessarily gotten any worse, but because like nothing really interest me nothing appeals to you uh and i think i get my storytelling not only from games but i think mostly from reading um so i mean that's kind of like where i I focus on on the storytelling aspect of things or whatever but you're right i mean um i guess that kind of suggests that i do need an interactive an interactive kind of feature to storytelling Mm. uh and it was kind of subconscious i never really even thought about it so yeah well i think the one thing that i can i'd like to end with is just that we can both probably agree that the rate at which uh, just the raw technical ability of, of visuals to like look good, that is that increases way more than how game developers fundamentally tackle gameplay and like evolve gameplay. I think it's much easier for the tech, like the tech to advance than our you know our complete thought process behind what a game is. Right, right. I think those like you know that they both increase over time, but they they do so at very different rates. Yeah, it's a great way of looking so, at it. And, and your hand motions actually that you that obviously the the, <laughs> Sorry, the listeners, yeah. the well, listeners that, can't see it. That reminds me of like you know really just a line chart of of. You know, an exponential growth in tech and technology and graphical mm-hmm. use, but really just a mild, very mild, like you said, like yeah. a very mild increase in, in in gameplay. I mean, even when you like you think about Dragon Warrior, 
and or Ultima or something like that. And then you think about, you know, whatever Disgaea game that came out or, you know, whatever, you know, NIS America game that just was released. Whatever. These games are really not different. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So they, they really just look different. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. So let's move on. Uh, we have a little message from Macho Mustachio. I like that name. Yes, yes. Uh, how much longer do you think the Call of Duty craze is going to go on for? They can't keep selling ridiculously well forever, can they? Hmm. Good question. As, uh, you're right. They can't. Uh, they can't. And, as, I mean, I think people eventually move on. Mm -hmm. uh, but people are still playing Mario. Um, people are still, I mean, people still gobble up Halo quite a bit. Um, so I would say that it's definitely, there's definitely going to be a couple more iterations maybe before we start to see a, a significant decline mm -hmm. in sales, right? I think so too. I mean, when you, I think it was surprising with all, everything taken into consideration that Black Ops even sold better than Modern Warfare 2 so far, which it has, um, which is surprising. And I'm happy for Treyarch, uh, that that happened, but he's right in that it just, you know, fads kind of come and go and. I think what we really need to focus more on with Call of Duty is like, what are the aspects of those games that make people come back for them every year? Even if it's like, that, you know, everyone knows a person that that has an Xbox or a PlayStation 3 that really just buys Call of Duty and maybe like another shooter, Killzone or something like that, or Halo or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and it's like, what really, I think what developers need to do is focus on like what it is about those games that have them have broad appeal or whatever and then and try to replicate that outside of the Call of Duty franchise, which is I think what... EA tried to do with Medal of Honor, and they, they pretty much failed to do that um, because it's definitely not a great game or even a good game, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, it's an accessible shooter that's as hard as you want it to be or as easy as you want it to be. It's got robust online mode, which is good for people. I think I don't like playing games online um, most of the time, but I know a lot of people do. And I think that that's what, you know, like uh, my cousin back in New York or something, and, you know, you see him online, he plays Madden and he plays, you know, Call of Duty and you know, and, and whatever else, and that's it. I saw him playing sports champions randomly, which is weird. Um, so I, I think that the game appeals to that kind of person, but it, it kind of goes back to the argument of uh, what is a casual gamer? Are these people casual? Are the hardcore buying these games? And even your your point of Super Mario Brothers, which was interesting, is that it's true that Galaxy sold really well, and Galaxy 2 sold really well, and Super Mario Sunshine sold really well and stuff. Right, right, right. But even when you think about those games, and then you think about the original Mario, which sold exponentially better than those games, um, you think so? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I mean, that I wonder what the like the the current total sales are for the like for all the downloadable iterations. Right. And stuff. I mean, I Very I, interesting. I I think yeah, it would be interesting. I don't think they release those numbers, yeah. uh, which is disappointing. But when you think about the fact that like Mario was attached to every NES, basically, whether it was with Duck Hunt or Track and Field or whatever, um, and that unit and the NES obviously sold is one of the best selling units of all time, gaming systems. Um, you know, it sees the decline that he was actually kind of referring to is that these games still sell well, but they don't sell as well. So I think that's what we'll see in Call of Duty the next five years or whatever. Is the games will sell really well, but I don't. I think Black Ops is probably the peak of, of the, how well the games will sell, especially as we move into the next generation and there's more compelling games probably released. And, okay. Yeah. What do you Interesting. think? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, it's just, I don't know, man. The, the, it'll, it'll, it'll simmer down. It'll simmer down eventually. But right now, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm honestly not as invested in the Call of Duty franchise as other franchises, so I'm not as I'm not as passionate about where it goes. I'm I'm interested to see where it goes, but it's not like it really inf you know affects me as a gamer. Uh, I haven't actually played a Call of Duty seriously since the original Modern Warfare, which I played the single player campaign, enjoyed it, and then put it aside and right. pretty much forgot about it. They're shooters, you know. It's yeah. like, uh, I, and then we were kind of talking about this. I I want. 
what I really want is people to get into different kinds of shooters. You know what I mean? Right. One of the companies I bring up sometimes is Raven, which I, I think makes really hardcore shooters. Um, and I would love for people like uh, like Wolfenstein, the re-release of Wolfenstein. And what did they What did they recently do? Did they did Singularity. Else? Singularity. And Singularity is a really cool game. You know, it's really moody and and uh, they do certain things right. And those games are really hard, which I, I think I play them on the hardest difficulty. But they're really hard games. And I wish people would get more into kind of go into that direction. But I think it kind of shows you that people don't go into that direction. A because the, those games maybe lack a realistic twist that people enjoy. Uh, Wolfenstein obviously is a World War II game, but it's about supernatural things, and you know, obviously those kinds of things didn't really happen. Uh, and Singularity is a supernatural game, too. So I think you can start to examine uh, exactly what needs to happen to make these games sell, which I think is like realistic shooters, whether they're future shooters or somewhere in the past, Vietnam, Cold War, and stuff like that, um, and kind of harp on that and see how well those games sell outside of Call of Duty. Um, and then you'd have a, kind of a situation where you, you might have something to compete with Call of Duty or Call of Duty just keeps going. But I can't imagine. <laughs> just, just keeps going. I, I just can't imagine that Call of Duty is going to keep selling well, especially without without Infinity Ward. Well, Call of Duty is the Energizer Bunny of the, shooters, uh, the shooter genre. So we shall see. Uh, let's move on to a different uh, Call of Duty question. Okay. Uh, this comes from Tony. Uh, whether you're reading posts on the official Black Ops forum or over on GAF, a lot of PS3 owners seem to be having major problems with this game, from frame rate issues to lag, freezing, disconnections. Black Ops for PS3 is creating quite an uproar from the community, according to Tony. Mm. Who knows what this guy knows? Uh, I'm interested to know what type of experience the Beyond crew have had when uh, having with the game online and what the predictions are when it comes to a response from Treyarch slash Activision. Do you expect the game to eventually see top-notch performance, or are we pretty much stuck with what we have right now? Uh, now, this is interesting. Did you play uh, Black Ops on the PS3? Because I can't help Tony out much. I haven't really seen it. Yeah, I played one stage. Um, you played one I played stage? The, like, the Cuba stage, and that was it. Because we have other games. I, I want to get back to it, but it probably won't happen until like, okay. Christmas. So you haven't played it much online? Though. No, I haven't played any online. Okay. Then clearly I have chosen the wrong question. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think I've heard some, like, some, you know, uh, this actually kind of ties into another question that you have, which is just about patching games and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, that. So why don't we why don't we why don't we read that question and then we can kinda of tie maybe yeah, something. Let's tie them together. Yeah. Hey Beyond, my name is Jack and I just wondered your what your thoughts were on the game industry abusing the patch process. It seems almost every other game is shipped broken, i.e. New Vegas, Black Ops, multiplayer, rather than or run a strong beta or delay a game. They're just patching this stuff. So what do we say about that? Uh, so I guess it so it sounds like Black Ops has some not so great multiplayer on the PS3. Yeah, I mean I've heard I heard that it didn't even work when the game first came out. That's not good. Uh, at all. Uh, and plus the PlayStation Network's down from time to time, which is kind of frustrating for people. Um, but I think abusing is the right, really a perfect word because absolutely because uh, patching has great potential, especially for um. I don't want to use even Bayonetta as an example, but Bayonetta ran really poorly when it came it out on PlayStation terrible. 3, as you know. I mean, yeah. that's one of your favorite games of the year. And they did patch and they made it run better. But that begs the question, why didn't you just do that to begin with? Um, I think what this kind of gets into is something that's beyond us, which beyond, beyond. which is uh, the relationship between developers and publishers. Because I think y you would think that with a game, like Treyarch probably knew that the game wasn't running up to snuff with Black Ops. But Activision wants the game, and the date, you know, they they spent all this money and and the, uh, to to uh, advertise the game, and the game is going to sell huge numbers and stuff, and they just want the game, and they know that they can patch it in the future, which was something that you couldn't do with the Atari, the NES, or the SNES, or the PlayStation, or the PlayStation Two. Right. Um, so you can do, you know, PC games have been dealing with patches for a while. So I agree. I think that I think it is being abused. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
you know, because the, the patching was meant to do something else. I really think that there are problems that can't be foreseen with games. I think right. Fallout's probably a good example. There's no doubt that, that Obsidian knew that there was a lot of problems with Fallout, and they probably knew them before the game even was released. But that game is bound to come up with bugs that no one could have foreseen and knew about, especially when the DLC starts rolling out and stuff, and the game starts to interact with the DLC. Um, and that's <laughs> oh, what patching's for. You right. know what I mean? Patching isn't to release a buggy product that... Um, will then be immediately patched. And that's what pisses me off the most is when I put it in a game sometimes before the game even comes out and, and there's, there's already a patch. a patch for it. Yeah. I'm like, that's inexcusable. That's that's ridiculous. You know? Yeah. If you knew that the game was broken, then, you know, but again, I don't think it's really the developer's fault. You know? No. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's often, I mean, there's there's tons of things behind the scenes that we will never see. There's political stuff. There's, you know, financial stuff. It's just a ton of, you know, they have to make dates. They have to do this. They have to do that. So I, I definitely don't think that the developers have an easy job in, in meeting these requirements. But, uh, yeah, there's a big difference between realizing, oh, goodness, there's this weird bug that we just did not find. Let's patch it to, you know, well, our game is de is not done, but we got a release. We'll just patch as soon as we can. You know, those are very different mentalities. And I can totally respect a developer going back and fixing something they just didn't catch, even after vigorous testing, because mm -hmm. that's just how software works, to just releasing a broken game, which is, you know, a, really, a real disservice to consumers. Uh, I, I agree. And though I, I doubt people don't have internet access anymore. I feel like the grand majority of, of, of gamers have some sort of internet access. Sure, but I still do feel bad for the people that maybe can't. Uh, you know, even if uh, they have internet access, but you know they can't. They don't have a wire to run for the, to their old 20 gig PlayStation 3, or you know, with the Xbox, like you, the old Xbox, like you have to have a hard wire. So even if you live in a wireless situation, you can't obviously get online without the the add-on or whatever. I do right. feel. Um, I do feel bad for those people, but but I do take heart in the fact that there seems to be companies uh, and games like even Gran Turismo 5 was delayed. Obviously, they could have probably patched that game. Uh, Media Molecule delayed Little Big Planet. Uh, they probably could have released that game and patched it, but they didn't. Valve just delayed Portal 2 to work on it. So I think you can take heart in the fact that not all companies that are are that are you know they're just releasing games that are broken or whatever. But at the same time, you have to keep in mind that the funding for a lot of companies, especially smaller developers, comes from the publisher, and the publisher probably has the final say when those games come out, and they want right. to make their money back. So uh, if a game is going to get delayed six months because it needs to be patched, they can just roll out those patches over the six-month period. Even if the game takes a critical hit as a result, they still want to make their money back. I mean, it always comes back to the bottom line. So you have to assume that that's the reason why it's happening. But Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But I think we could both agree. Patch it, oh, abusive patching in the industry. Yeah, it's per perfect terminology. Uh, let's move on to a another topic. Hey, guys. Love the show. Why, thank you. My topic suggestion is what you think of the fact that Shinji Mikami is partnering up with Bethesda for his next game, as well as the possibility that Kenji Inafune could be headed to a Western studio, which I think we've discussed mm -hmm. in the past. Do you think that the future of game development is a blend of talent from both the East and the West? As always, keep up the good work. Beyond from Skyline Ninja. And I ha should I save the quote for later? No, no, save yeah. the quote. The quote's good. Right. The quote. Here's the quote that Skyline Ninja ends his, uh, his email with. A man once asked me if I saw the glass half full or half empty. I turned and said neither. I see a glass twice as big as it needs to be. Yeah, that's that's deep, man. I love it. That's I fantastic. It. I wonder where that came from. I'm if, drowning in that quote. It's if, so deep. If, if Skyline Ninja <laughs> came up with that quote, you should not be writing into a, a podcast. You should be, like, saving the world yeah, from writing, turmoil. Writing poetry, at least. <laughs> um, so we've discussed this a little bit in the past, so I just kind of wanted to touch on it again. Uh, I mean, Mikami, if you don't already know, is uh, one of the minds behind Resident Evil, just recently uh, directed Vanquish, which Colin and I are both fans of. Mm -hmm. 
And now Great he game. is partnering with Bethesda for the next game. And uh, this is exciting. It is exciting. And I think that it's a very it's a very good point in something that is not often seen, at least by us, the partnering of East and West. I mean, what? Uh, there's sorry, there's people outside. I got distracted. I thought they had a little dog, but apparently they just <laughs> yeah, dropped. Yeah, they, they were waiting for something, something to yeah. run by. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a blending of East and Western developers, I think, would be fascinating. Um, but at the same time, we've kind of seen it before. For example, let, let me go to Front Mission Evolved, which okay. was just recently released. That was developed by, an, I don't know if they were, they're based in the United States, but it was a non-Japanese studio handling a Japanese property under the supervision of a Japanese staff, right? Now, that game did not, did not go swimmingly well in terms of the reviews. Now, I, I played some multiplayer of it, and I thought, I thought it was fun. Um, and I thought it had some potential, um, and I, so I don't want to pass like a final judgment on it and just dismiss it outright as final being bad. Final judgment. Final judgment. But uh, that's a situation where I wonder if, when you kind of have that, that's more of a clashing though. Like the, the, the you know, the Japanese, the, the original Japanese studio is sort of like this is kind of what you need to do, and maybe they didn't have as much of a reciprocal relationship. Um, but it's definitely, it definitely, I feel like can go either way. I think that. The, those sorts of relationships can be really symbiotic and beneficial, and maybe they can, you know, learn from each other. But other times, you know, the the East and West has such different philosophies, even right down to culturally how they work. So I don't, you know, it's, I, it's I, a tough call. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think the, you know, I don't think the future of gaming will be a combination of East versus West. But I think the potential for the best kinds of games are going to come from studios that are willing to take. Uh, a page from the east and the west or whatever um we've talked about this many times in the past but we have a lot of younger listeners and i I think what a lot of them can't uh grasp or just don't understand is that there was a time in gaming when nothing was coming from the west you know or very little you know nes snes playstation and even in the playstation 2 you know everything was coming from japan we would we would read nintendo power or, or you know, PlayStation Magazine or whatever, and we would see all these great Japanese games. We knew we had to wait about 18 months for them to get localized. It took forever <laughs> yeah. for some of these games to come out. I mean, Dragon Warrior or Dragon Quest and NES came out on, on Famicom in 86 and didn't come out into the United States until 89. So, I mean, there was really long waits between games. Um, you know, there was all these mix-ups with the Final Fantasy numbering, which everyone knows about because Final Fantasy games uh, weren't localized quickly enough and a lot of them didn't come out here. And um, So, I think that there's... Uh, exciting potential to take the and harness the strengths of both West and East because I think even though you know I'm down on e- on on Japanese gaming right now I know you're not but I, I, a lot of people are um, and some people aren't I still think that there's great strengths um, in what they do they mm-hmm. do they, they they create a lot of great products over there that we used to enjoy when we were younger and I think that there's a lot of potential um, even for you know Resident Evil is a Japanese game and that's 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 a huge that's a huge game for instance you know even um, Things I love, like Mega Man um, or Tales of Destiny or Wild Arms. These are all Japanese games, and they're all brilliant. Um, But at the same time, I think uh, right now Western developers are doing pretty good stuff by themselves. Um, Up in Edmonton with Bioware, for instance, uh, over in Maryland with Bethesda. Uh, But, you know, like you said, like like, uh, Bethesda now working on maybe Japanese-style games or having a Japanese influence is going to make the games even better because there's still something for them to contribute into gaming or whatever. Um, And gaming wouldn't be nearly what it is right now without their influence um, and development skill. And we can't forget that. Um, So I don't want to say the future is there because I think that Japan's gaming market is under 10% of the worldwide gaming market. So I don't think that their influence is going to be what it was ever again. But I think that 
they have great, like we said, potential to make great games still. And when you couple them with great Western studios, the potential is unlimited. And that's what's really exciting, I think, personally. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it, ultimately, I think that when people, when creative minds get together and work in a, in a truly symbiotic relationship, you'll have something better. Mm. But, I mean... Is it ever ideal like that? You know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the example you get with Front Mission, I don't know anything about the development with Front, with Front Mission Evolved. I have the game, but I haven't played it yet. Um, what I was most disappointed about was uh, Square trying to... It seems like Square was trying to cater to what they thought Western markets might want out of a Front Mission game. But what we really want out of a Front Mission game, or at least I do, the niche that really liked Front Mission to begin with, is a strategy RPG, because that's what the games always were. So I think that that's why the game might not have been the hit it once was, because you're basically taking something... Gamers know what Front Mission is, and they expect something out of it, so they ignore it if they don't if they're not interested in it. And then they release something that's not Front Mission. People don't know that it's not Front Mission, but people don't care that it's not Front Mission. If that makes any sense. Right. So I. No, it, I hear you. So it's kind of a confusing it's, situation. Yeah. It's it's tough. You, you can't. And yeah, of course, you can't please everyone. So. No, it's like why didn't they just make another? IP for that game, you know, and then create a Front Mission game that might appeal to someone. I've been dying for a Front Mission game. Since the last one came out in the States, with the exception of the DS remake of the original Famicom game in like 2004. So. Yeah. You've been waiting for six years for this yeah, business. Yeah, it's been a long time. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's move on. So the next question that we have comes from Jonathan. And it's totally not a question. It is a comment. Oh, okay. This is Fireside Chats, after all. Hey, Beyond. Hope you all have been having a good month, because I'm not. Mm. Uh, I was hoping you all can cheer me up my mood, as I've been having a really bad month uh, to say. Well, all right. Now the email just degrades into gibberish. But anyway, earlier this month, my PS3 is broken down with the yellow light of death. And, well, this week I was jumped and got my iPhone stolen. Jeez. Any words of encouragement that can cheer me up? Thanks, and continue with your great success of the podcast. Thank you. Uh, that's really nice that even though Jonathan is having a rough month, he can still muster uh, the kind words for us. That sucks. Now, I obviously have not gotten a yellow light of death, and I have never been mugged. Mm. Uh, so I cannot speak to say that I know exactly what you are going through. But I think that it is fair to say that we have all had rough times in our lives. Uh, and I will say, you got to keep your chin up, man. Yeah. Um, honestly, the here, here's what I always do. This is like my little mental exercise I do when I'm having a rough time. And it can be a little intimidating, but I think it's helpful. In the grand scheme of things... You and I and Jonathan and all the Beyond listeners out there, we are absolutely infinitesimally, in, infinitesimally, I can't even say it. Infinitesimally. Infinitesimally? Infinitesimally? infinitesimally. I, ru I ruined the, the cadence of it, but anyway. No, that's right. Uh, we are minuscule in comparison mm. to the universe, mm. you know? And, and it's certainly, and we know that this is not some sort of, you know, mumbo jumbo. Like, we know that there is a very broad, wide, stretching universe out there. We are extremely small parts of that. And even if we were all just to suddenly disappear, life will go on in some form mm. or another. And life, and I, and I think that can be applied to all of us. And, like, if we're down on gaming, if we're having a rough week at school, if you guys are in a bad relationship, life goes on. The entire purpose, in my opinion, of living is to continue to experience things, even if they are bad. They are still experiences which contribute to your time in this world in this universe you got to hang in there yeah i agree i mean i i think that's uh what i always try to say is even when things get really rough 
something really bad. There's always a silver lining, you know. Yeah. So the silver lining of the PlayStation Three breaking is like, well, you're gonna get a fix. It's not like it's a, it's not like it's something that is irreparable. You know? Exactly. At the same time, like you got your iPhone stolen, you got jumped, which sucks. Uh, but there's multiple silver linings to that. A, you're okay. Yeah. You're writing into uh, the podcast, so you must be okay. B, hopefully, like maybe you know, like, I think the worst part of getting jumped probably get your wallet stolen. So hopefully that didn't happen or whatever. And if that right. did, there's even a silver lining to that. Is that everything's replaceable. And I think when, when something bad happens to me or someone does something bad to me, which happens you know, to everybody, yeah. what I always like to think is that if you like just uh, – not that I believe in the systemic karma, you know, a karmic system as it were, right. that I still like to think that if I just kind of go about my business and respect people and um, try to do the right thing all the time, that I'll be paid back. And the person that did that something to you is eventually going to get bit in the ass because of what they did. Yes. Um, it, just, it just works like that. It's always worked like that. It's been observed by humans for – Thousands of years that, that that there's a go around come around kind of yep. kind of system to the way everything works. Even if it's just made up and we and we kind of just read into everything that happens, a good thing happens <laughs> and a bad thing happens, and so on and so forth. It just seems to work out like that. So, the douchebag that jumped you, um, he's not, maybe, he doesn't have good things in store for him. No, maybe you know maybe he's gonna get run over by a car tomorrow. You, you never know. know. Or and and you never know this for sure. Maybe this total jerk had. Was had a really rough life, and he needs like a present for his daughter out of like a wedlock. You know, you never know. You never know. Doesn't excuse it though. Totally not. But there is sometimes evil acts might not be as inherently evil as we think. Like Robin Hood. Like like Robin Hood. <laughs> anyway, Jonathan, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that you are having a rough time, but uh, hang in there. And also, beyond listeners, y'all have each other. Mm. You're part of a big grand family that spans the globe. And you would all stick out for each other, I think. I certainly would. I like to think that we even fans. span beyond the globe. I'd like to think that someone, some astronauts listening to us uh, in a space station <laughs> right now. That would be so cool. If we have any astronauts listening in, please <laughs> write to us at beyond.com. Uh, I, I, I thought you were going to go in the direction of so, you know our messages spiraling off into the ether mm. and somewhere some – Ancient life is listening. Like, what is this place? Yeah, I, w- I, I wouldn't. Well, we would if we were on radio, but but this isn't probably going out into space. Well, uh, well, yes, it is. Is it? Because we are speaking right now, and we're creating sound waves, and you don't know what sort of advanced technology mm, the aliens mm, have. The collectors. Yeah, the collectors. Oh, <laughs> I hope they don't find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, do another one. Beyond. Hey, guys, I have a great idea for a Fireside Chats topic. A year in review segment. Perhaps what highlights throughout the year you have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, games do not have to be the main thing, but maybe movies, comics, or more. Uh, I like how uh, he, he writes movies, comics, or movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you really want to talk about movies. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This is from Gabe, the Palmdale, California super fan. Okay. Uh, thanks, Gabe. Um, so, year in review, what would you say, like, top three things that you've been most happy with, Colin, that, that have gone on this year? They don't have to necessarily be games. I don't know. Um I don't know. I think what what I'm, it, what honestly, it? what I'm really happy about are the, are the Jets are doing really well. Okay, um, which is something I'm really happy about. Now, people from Long Island and other, you know, I, I know there's fans in New Jersey and stuff like that too. They understand that being a Jets fan is not easy, and that the the, the Jets are pretty much abysmal most of the time. And and uh, you know, we we've drafted badly, and we've just had a real real bad time. We haven't been to the Super Bowl since you know in in 40 years. So, um, so you know, we we. It's tough. So, so that actually made you know, as a big Jets fan, and, and it's a really hardcore, true Jets fan that's been there through thick and thin. That's actually one of the things I'm really happy about. Now we can say that that happened this year because the playoffs 
from last year's season happened in 2010, and they did really well. They beat uh, the Bengals in the first round and the Chargers in the second round and just barely lost to the Colts and almost was to the Super Bowl. And now they're doing really well again. They have the best record in the league. So that's one of the things I'm very happy about. Excellent. What about you? Why don't you hit me with something there? Um, Let's see. Some highlights for me were definitely my surprising addiction to StarCraft, which I talk about a lot. I don't want to touch on it here because it's not PlayStation. Um, But, uh, I mean... see what other amazing things have happened to me this year i mean it's in general i'd like to think that it's been a good year so far i felt very good about myself i've been um just trying to to stay healthy uh which is very difficult because i don't know if you know this colin but sweets desserts Mm. are the best things ever Mm -hmm. i am a big dessert fan really and it's a shame that they're so ludicrously unhealthy yeah they are but you know within moderation everything is good um i'm also really happy about uh bayonetta uh, Mass Effect 2. I mean, we had a lot of fantastic games this year. Yeah, it was surprising. Like stunning, yeah. stunning games this year. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? Oh, well, here's one. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been dating for five years now. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's so exciting. Very exciting. Uh, and... I think those are those are the big ones. Yeah, I mean, so. oh, it's, 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 in terms of gaming, I mean... I loved Heavy Rain. I loved Mass Effect 2. I loved, I, and know. I totally forgot about Heavy Rain. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Of, Mega Man 10 came out this year. Vanquish really bowled me over. Um, there there were a ton. So many good games. So and yeah, I think and it was, it's just a year. One year out of our lives. And I think for PlayStation fans, I think it's an especially exciting year because I think this is the year that the PlayStation starts to pivot. Um, I always kind of looked at the PlayStation as being on the fence and kind of on its, on its back foot kind of taking everything in. And now I think it's kind of moving forward. Um, and I think 2011 is going to be a very good year for the podcast beyond listeners it better be because um, 2012 is not gonna be a good year no because we're gonna all Cause die because the, the world's gonna end uh so yeah i mean i i think that the, you know this was a good year this was a better yeah. year than most uh um so yeah that's basically it i guess cool yeah. you see any good movies lately no i mean i i guess the the only really notable movies i saw this year was like inception i really liked i really liked that uh, film a lot yes. um Man, didn't everybody though Oh, was it? yeah, I think I think it was. That was one of the well, that was one of the most universally enjoyed movies that I've I've talked to people about in a while. It was great. I think that might be like one of the. I only went to the movies like once or twice this year. I think so. Yeah, you should go to the movies more often. Yeah, I'm that's sure. something I've always there. There is something special about going to the movies. I love going to movies. Yeah, I agree. I just yeah, it's just very you. You were you. Oh, a, I saw a, the road too. No, that was okay. last year though. Yeah, you you're a bit of a of a you know you like to go home you like to rest that is your thing yeah and I look and forward I to that. I you know I work hard and then I I look forward to really just like my like kind of I don't want to necessarily say my solitude although that's sometimes out. yeah but yeah vegging out just like yeah. I look forward to just going home I cook dinner and I just kind of chill and do whatever I want yeah. Yeah. very nice uh, let's do a couple quick fire ones sure uh, do you think that they will add move support for flower also how cool would that game look in 3D um, honestly I think the game. Looks so good right now. I don't really need 3D, yeah. and I just can't quite get into 3D yet. No, I mean, but I agree that that particular game might really would might you know be, be very interesting in 3D. I don't know if there's really any move support planned for that. No, I don't think. I mean, it's that's a, a small studio, yeah, and they're working on something else. No, so. the, uh, the Journey, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That, so that game company is the name of that game company. Right. <laughs> and uh, they are moved on. They've already moved on to another project. They're very small, like very small. So I doubt that they would be adding Move Sport. It, move Sport would actually be, you know, I, I do say that Move Sport would be actually really cool for that game. But, but yeah, I don't see the need. I mean, that game's kind of old, and I don't see the need for it. You know, people have seen it and played it and done it. I don't think it's going to get any new fans 
from adding move support to it, so it's probably not a good use of their limited uh, manpower. That's okay. Got it, got it. Moving right along. Beyond, could you yeah. guys talk about PlayStation Home? Give your thoughts on if you have used it and what Sony can do to improve Home. Thanks, Colin and Ryan. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Oh, yeah, and you Beyond, this is going, coming from Aaron. Uh, oh, he actually gives his full name. I am, I'm always hesitant to give full names on mm. the podcast because I don't want these guys to get harassed. Yeah, that's fine. So we'll just say Aaron. Okay. Uh, so... I know you have pretty much never touched home. No, I don't. I mean, I like the idea of it, but I, yeah, I don't think it's been and executed I, And I think close. both Colin and I appreciate the idea of PlayStation Home. I used it just a tiny little bit when it first came out. Haven't touched it since. I've heard that improvements have been made over time. Um, it's just the type of thing where I don't really want to go through all the trouble of logging in and downloading stuff, all for like a very basic social networking experience. Right. Because to me, the the purpose of social networking is to be incredibly fast and fluid, and it, it doesn't – you don't skip a beat. Like that's why I love like stuff like Twitter for iPhone where you're basically like this is something really – you want to share with someone. You literally press a button, type a message, click, and it's there for all to see. As little – the point of social network should be to minimize micromanagement. Mm. And, and that's actually something that – that's one of the reasons, as, as you know, I've been getting so upset with Facebook. It's just that every – all the thousands of people that friend me, all, the, all you Beyond listeners, which – and it's great to be friends with you on Facebook. But the fact that, I ha that you can't just be my friend and I actually have to confirm and then like add you to a list so that you can see the right things – what a pain in the neck. Yeah, it is. What uh, a pain. I agree. Facebook is becoming tedious. And I think that was the thing with Home is that nice idea, poor execution, kind of a misallocation of manpower to maybe do something cooler for PlayStation 3 or whatever. I don't really think a lot of people care about Home, especially now. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but I, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, I haven't given it much of a shake because it just doesn't appeal to me even on right. the most base level. So uh, my question then, and the follow-up question that Aaron writes here, is what would you do if you were suddenly given supreme power over the PlayStation-verse? What would you do to make home an experience that you're like, you get home, you fry up your chicken cutlets, mm, you're oh, ready, to, rela you're ready nice. to relax, and, and Cheryl is like, you know, just chilling, and she's like, I want you to go do some home stuff. Mm. What would I you do? do? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I, I think it would be cool to... Um, have some more base interactivity with with people on there so far as like you can i guess find your friends or whatever and kind of go to same space just to even compare trophies or whatever have some sort of like maybe even visual representation of trophies or games that you've played mm -hmm. and let people kind of see your personal space and stuff like that but um i think what some of the what they're doing is actually the right idea like having the arcade games on there and you can even go on there and play chess and stuff like that it's got yeah, for sure that's cool but, again, like, I'm not sure what I would do to home to make it appealing because I just don't think it's appealing no matter what you really do to it because I, yeah. I think it's just too much. You yeah. know? It's just, for me, it's just too much. For me, I would love to see it streamlined and just in general be faster. Wouldn't it be awesome if – and this might actually be cool. Think about this for a second. Okay. Wouldn't it be awesome if right when you turn your PS3 on – you have your cross-media bar, everything's good to go, and home is in the background. So you control the cross-media bar with the D-pad, and, you know, so you can make all your selections like normal, but you also can just immediately start running around because you're just automatically logged into home. You start running around. It's like kind of in the, the cross-media bar is like on the top. You're running around. And you could turn all that options off right. if, you, if you're uninter uninterested. But if it was that fast and that seamless... That would interest me. Yeah, that would be awesome. And it would, yeah. it would encourage more people to get into it, I think, just yeah, right off the bat. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's a so, nice idea. Alrighty, And I'm sure it will never be implemented because it's actually – that's probably a colossal undertaking. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> um, uh, here's a question from Joe. Or, yeah, question. 
If PS3 does everything, mm-hmm. why can't you download rent a movie from the PSN while watching a DVD or Blu-ray? This is really pissing me off. I didn't even know. I never even <laughs> thought about that. Oh, Joe, you are totally right. The PS3 cannot do everything despite the ad campaign. The only option that you have is to sue them for false advertising. Mm-hmm. Please do not do that. Podcast Beyond does not endorse legal action against Sony. Um, <laughs> unless, I guess, something were, were to happen that would require legal action. Yeah. I think the Linux thing was appropriate. <laughs> but uh, in terms of this, I mean, there's a ton of, like, there's a, actually a bunch of reasons that I think it's weird that they don't have a sort of background downloading in place. For example, the renting a movie thing, totally, like, I hate that. Like, because oftentimes I'll be like, hey, uh, oh, I want to download this game. Um, I'll just download it and I'll watch, like, an episode of this TV show while I'm waiting. Nope, can't do it. Can't do that. Yeah, that's uh, no good. Also, same thing with uh, like playing a PS2 game. I think it cuts off your like downloads during uh, PS2 play. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there must be some sort of like resource allocation reason yeah. why they do that. But yeah, that is annoying. There's maybe a it'll reason. be maybe it'll be uh, you know fixed in an upcoming uh, one of the many updates that we'll yeah. be downloading in the next few months. I still want to scowl at it, and I'm going to scowl. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but thank you, Joe, for writing in. Uh, let's move right along to ah, here's a good one. Hey, Beyond. Big fan here. Thanks for doing a show this week. I was just wondering what's one of your favorite IGN memories, like stuff we haven't heard between you and the other editors and such. Also, I heard there's a Chicagoland meet and greet on Saturday. You should mention that. Beyond from Greg Miller, executive editor of IGN PlayStation Team. This is actually really. This yeah, is really from, this is, this oh, is really from Greg. Cool. Uh, so yes, thank you, Greg, for Thanks, writing Greg. in. Uh, we miss you, buddy. I'm surprised I didn't get more of a laugh out of you. I no, was I was just kind of, I, I guess I was kind of thinking about the question whilst we uh, were. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Whilst. I like whilst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, Greg brings up a good point. There is a meet and greet in Chicago coming up uh, at Portillo's mm-hmm. on oh, Friday. Man. Is it this Friday? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Doesn't it not say? Uh, he doesn't say. Unfortunately, and I totally forgot to print out the details. He's gonna kill me. We'll put it in. The, we'll put it in the story. Yeah, I'll put it in the story. The problem is, is that uh, he always says the address every time, and I, I almost have it like it's the corner in the... of Grand and North or something. I don't know. So, don't go there. I don't know what that. that I don't, don't know. I don't even know if that place exists. You just, you just probably send them to like this dangerous ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the Portillo's yeah. meeting. Great. <laughs> You're gonna get shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, yes, so definitely check out the meet and greet because you could meet the one and only Greg Miller for some delicious hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Every time he talks about it, I get hungry. Yeah, man. Um, sounds nice. Colin, what's some of your favorite IGN memories? I don't know. We've talked about so much. I, I think what came to me is something that I've never, I guess I've never really talked about on the podcast is uh, I guess my favorite memory might be my just my original exposure to IGN in person, uh, which happened in 2003. Um <laughs> I flew out here. I was, I guess I was 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stayed with, I stayed on Fran Mirabella's couch. Now, this was when Fran lived with Ivan Sulich, who used to work here. He works, uh, he's a writer at a game studio now. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly which one. Right. And Sin, who is still with us, and he's a, a, one of our artists. Uh, and I was just here for a little while, like, you know, a week or something like that. And uh, I was just working in-house and kind of checking things out and kind of feeling things out or whatever. And just meeting everyone for the first time was really wild. Now, this was two offices ago. So we moved offices into San Francisco six months ago or so, and we were in Brisbane. It's been longer than that now. Has it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it has been. Yeah, yeah March, April, we moved in here. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Jeez, time flies. And before that, we were in Brisbane in a, in a big office 
for I don't know when I was when I was a real intern we were there even so but the year before that I was a real intern in 2004 before that like during my mini internship and like my my first exposures or we were in a small office on uh, Bayshore Boulevard in Brisbane and uh, it was just really cool to meet and kind of you know I met Chris Carl and uh, Hillary and and uh, Spence who's our old music editor a bunch of people that aren't here anymore like Dan Adams. Actually, when you think about it, a lot of people that aren't here anymore. Um, so that was kind of cool, and that was like really my first IGN exposure, or whatever. It was just really flabbergasting to mm-hmm. to be around these people for the first time because, uh, I, for instance, I always kind of you know I'm like a I'm like a Z list. We're like Z list internet celebrities. Like somehow people care about us, and that's really funny and cool. And I'm really always honored by that. And I always try to let people know that I'm really honored by that. But I also understand where they're coming from because I felt the same way about these people yep. some of whom we work with right now and so it was really cool to be exposed to that for the first time or whatever <laughs> like how we're z-list yeah i mean it's like you know like we're like nobody you know but people <laughs> yeah, yeah, still yeah. but people still you know some people really still care about us and our opinions and stuff and I, i'm always it's really because what we that. represent you know we represent the this like giant network of video games yep. and something that's really fun and and you know connects a lot of people around you know around the world so i agree i, I never i never took it personal i know that if i didn't have it's not Colin Moriarty you care about. It's the fact that I work at IGN and those are my opinions that you care about or whatever. I so there's, I, there's I don't, probably a couple of Colin Moriarty fans. Yeah, I know. Maybe there. I'll take some with me if I, for some reason I would ever go do something else or whatever, although I have no intention of doing that. Right. Um, but it, it's kind of funny to think about, like, kind of put into perspective of, like, I was that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was even that person when I was here as an intern and I was I was that person when I was freelancing and I was that person when I came here for the first time when we were, we were hired the same day. Yep. Um, I was that person when I walked into this office and I was like, holy, you know, holy the, shit. There's... July, July 16th, right? Yeah, July 16th, 2007. Yeah. That was our first day. Oh, man. Um, and is so, too. Yeah. That was yeah, – I'll just never forget that, walking into that room. It was uh, it was fun. It was, it was fun. So we all fun. became really good friends really quickly and – yeah. But that, but that's my memory. I, I don't think I've ever really talked about that. Nothing really. I, I wrote the I wrote when I was at the office, the old old office. I wrote like a Castlevania GBA guide, and we just kind of hung out and, and I got to know everyone and stuff. And that was basically it. So cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I will. You? Yeah, I will say for me, there are count like countless memories, literally countless. I would not be able to count them uh, of fun thing, fun times that I've had at this company. And it, it really has been, what's been important to me. And I, I don't think a lot of uh, listeners really think about this is that I have never lived in California until this job. And I have no family out here. I had no friends out here. So when I moved out for this job, which was literally mo- months after graduating college, I moved away from every friend that I had and every family member that I had to a place that I knew no one. And everybody here became my friends and family. And so, and to the point of where, like, I was considering, like, I'm having, like, Thanksgiving dinner with, like, my coworkers. Right. But they're not even really my coworkers. They're just my friends and family. And so that's what's amazing to me, and that's what I really appreciate because I would be horribly bored and lonely out here if I didn't get along with everybody so well. Yeah, I think that's the part of the blessing of working yeah. here. And uh, one of the one of one of my funniest bonding experiences when I was one of one of my first industry events was in Vegas, and I went with none other than Hillary Goldstein and Damon Hatfield, and I didn't even know them very well. This was before like I was good friends with these particular guys, mm-hmm. and that was like our big bonding moment. I remember being in a club drinking, dancing with Hill and Damon. 
with like all these random like journalists and stuff and i was like this is absolutely insane and we ended up we ended up bonding over that so cool that's something that i think about sometimes yeah there's a lot of, i mean there's a lot of great story I th- yeah I think the one thing you and I don't really have perspective on because we both graduated college in 2007 and then moved here um, to work. Our situations are pretty much identical in that respect, whatever, is that we don't know really how jobs are somewhere else or whatever. And I think Mm -hmm. what we kind of have to keep in perspective is that we're pretty blessed not only to have a great job like this, but also the environment in which we work. Because I think that a lot of offices are very stringent and strict and you kind of yeah. go about your business but nine to five people don't really want to talk to each other i mean i know i know like i know people that work at places where they're like they have no interest in talking to the people they work with you know what i mean it's like <laughs> there's just no interest with anyone talking to anyone it's just not like that here which is cool and it, it what's even cool is it reaches beyond editorial and video where we're really friendly with a lot of people you yeah because it's you know ign is it's a it's, it's a, a big com- company it's, it's a big company it's big and it's weird <laughs> and like we're, you know editorial is big and video is big but we're not you know, we're, we're like, you know, 10% of the company or whatever. I mean, there's like lots of other people doing lots of other things or whatever. And what's cool is that everyone's really cool and the culture is really, um, really nice or whatever. So for sure, man. Yeah. Oh, that made me feel very nice. That was mm-hmm. a good talk. Yes. Let's end on one other quick thing. Okay. Cause we are, uh, this is a long fireside chat. Good. I like long fireside chats. Dear Colin and Ryan. I really like fireside chats because it has a really relaxed atmosphere on that note. Uh, what are your favorite games to play when you just want to relax? Minor Flower, Peggle, and a certain scene and certain scenes in Heavy Rain, which is very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. This is coming. Uh, don't stop beyond. And this is coming from uh, longtime Beyond fan Enzo De Gregorio. Yeah, our friend Enzo. I know. And we have. And what's amazing to me, and I was thinking about this, <laughs> we have a picture of Enzo wearing a Beyond shirt. Oh yeah, there is up on our wall. There is. So I know what I know what you look like, Enzo. Oh, How thank you, doing, Enzo. Man? That's very nice. Um, so, what games do you relax with, Colin? Um, I guess when I want to relax the most, I don't even play a video game. I I, I play chess. Um, but as far uh, as an old games, yeah, by, a very um, old game. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's retro style. Yeah, it's quite retro. It's like a thousand years old. Uh, but for video games, I mean, uh, the games that I find most relax like relaxation with, I guess, are you know he mentioned Flower and some PSN games that are easy to digest, or whatever. I really like brick breaking games. So yeah. Do you relax with Shatter? Because Shatter is kind of an intense game. No, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, sometimes I just throw Shatter on if I want to play it or whatever. But I think a relaxing game is like, you know, like Cuboid's really cool, which isn't a brick-breaking game. Or Hyperballoid is a cool, like, mm. brick-breaking game that's uh, that's just relaxing. Things with like, relaxing, the music's not loud and stuff. Because obviously Shatter's loud. Yeah. Um, so games like that or whatever. I can even really see myself, although it's very tense, I can see myself relaxing a little bit with Pac-Man. But I don't necessarily game to – I'm always trying to be relaxed when I play games. And I don't necessarily play games just to relax. Yes, you know I, mean? I totally agree. I do not I – de- I generally don't game to relax. Like when I game, it's usually with a purpose. Uh, and especially since like the thing that I'm doing most is StarCraft, that is not a relaxing game. Mm-hmm. That is a very focused, very intense game. It requires incredible concentration. Um I have tried, like, you know, drinking, relaxing, and then playing a game of StarCraft, and it does not go well. Oh, try I, – I dare any gamer to, like, take a really difficult game and drink a bunch and, you know, first, see how it goes. Yeah, probably not very well. You probably won't play as well as you do sober. Uh, that ends the fireside chat. That was good. I like that. That was thank fun. you. Yes, thank you, Colin, very much for joining me, thank and you, thank Ryan. you, listeners, for tuning in. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, Colin and I's little chat here on the day before Thanksgiving mm-hmm. in a quiet, abandoned office, <laughs> deep in the in the in San Francisco. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I want to end with uh, this is very appropriate, and okay. I'm really happy that Michael wrote in 
but Michael Zethner wrote in and he says, "Hey guys, Mike here. I'm the person who submitted Ether, which was the so- or Aether, but I'm pretty sure it's Ether, which was the song Ryan picked last time you guys did a Fireside Chat podcast. Since I heard you guys were doing another one, I thought I would try to submit another song. This song is called Frequency, and it was written and recorded by myself in my bedroom. Smiley face. I really hope you guys like it. You can find the video on youtubecom guitarist. That's Z E T-H-Y, guitarist, all one word. So you can find uh, Mike's music there. Love the podcast, guys. Keep up the great work, Michael Zethner. Uh, this was is absolutely the perfect song, once again, to end our fireside chats with. Excellent. Really enjoyed it. Uh, this is Frequency by Michael Zethner. Again, if you have uh, any Beyond-related inquiries, please send them to beyond.ign.com. Uh, let's listen to Frequency and remember... You are not alone in this world. You are guided by the Legion of Beyond.